Hello, this is Crusher Talk with Haley Crusher Kane. How are you doing today? Um, t- uh, today's episode is sponsored by the German word. I have these German cards that my sister sent from Berlin. Thousand card um, German vocabulary flashcards. So I thought we would do a German word today that the episode will be sponsored by. And I will randomly pull one up. Okay, let's see. Okay. All right. The German word of the day is der Schweigervader. Der Schweiger Gervater. Der Schweiger Gervater. Um, also known as father in law. So this goes out to my father in law, Red, who's out in Colorado recently got over COVID. Congratulations. Okay. And I also thought that this episode could be sponsored by a disgusting vintage recipe as I've been really enjoying that on Facebook groups. So, um, this episode is also sponsored by fried squirrel, the chicken of the trees. Now let's get into the podcast today. Um, Let's give you a record update because everybody wants to hear that, right? Is, is, it, is it boring? Is it tedious? Yes, it is boring and tedious. It's boring and tedious for me. Therefore, it should be boring and tedious for you too. Um, we are deep in the physical album creation mode. And what I mean by that is the album cover, the album insert, um, the photographs, the art, and also the sequencing, which took quite a while, um, longer than normal for us. I think we normally just kind of throw a bunch of songs together and think about, okay, well, let's just make sure that there's not, you know, too many similar songs next to each other. But this time we did kind of get some outside advice for the sequencing. We did a lot of uh, hopping around and figuring it out. And we've kind of created a group decision um, on some sequencing, which has been an interesting and eye-opening experience, but not having the sequencing, which by the way, is just the order of songs, not having that done made it a little bit harder for our mastering to begin because mastering for vinyl and making sure that, you know, each song has the right amount of space and what side A is going to be and what side B is going to be and what the first song on side B is going to be and the last song on the record is going to be all those things um, kind of coincide. So that has been done. That is progress. We're very excited to have that going for the new album. I'm excited to share the art with you and the name of the album shortly. I've kind of kept it under wraps this time because it's just fun. It's fun to have a surprise. And I'll let you guys know first, of course, but it's just fun to have a surprise and not let everything out so quickly. Um, I think you will find it amusing. I hope you will find it amusing. Um, we are today I actually did some just editing of the lyrics sitting down with the physical we basically went to a UPS store and just said we're, we're this is not a final print these are proofs for an album so just 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 print the art out on the cheapest paper or whatever and of course they printed it out on this glossy gorgeous $5 paper so we have these glossy gorgeous proofs um, of the album artwork and insert and lyrics also, first time doing a real lyric sheet, okay? It's expensive to add an extra piece of paper. Um, 
by the way. But we did get some complaints that, you know, our little zine we did last time for uh, Vintage Millennial was not a real lyric sheet. It was more like of a zine. It was just more jumbled and it was more of a task to find those lyrics because you had to flip through a little booklet instead of just having the one sheet of all the lyrics in order in front of you, which is a luxury. I agree. I love them. Ever since I was a kid, I've always loved the lyrics. I always read the lyrics. I like to listen and then read the lyrics. And then after that, you kind of have a new appreciation for the song. Sometimes it's disappointing because <laughs> it's a little far off from what you expected the lyrics to be. That's happened on quite a few occasions for me. Um, but I was uh, basically sitting at the kitchen table just doing the tedious work of removing a comma or you know, adding a new word or taking a typo out. And it's just such a funny thing. It's one of those things you just never think about your favorite band doing or even your least favorite band doing. But there's just so much admin. There's just so much of this. It's it's really a bunch of tiny little tasks and then like 1% being a rock star and being on stage. I mean, that's really the truth. I'm drinking my Pete's Sumatra in my beautiful... 1950s pink brochet mug. Dr. Kane and I have been talking about the things we will bring with us to Michigan and the things we will not. What we will not bring is most of our, well, all of our furniture as we are renting our house out on furnishedfinder.com, which is for contract um, professionals, including many nurses who come to the area for 30 to 90 day contracts, as well as some professionals. We've gotten requests from somebody who works for Philips 66 Oil and needs a place to live for a year and, and people like that. So we're leaving our furniture, but we are bringing our beautiful, and I say our, but it's really his, 1950s Bruchet ceramics collection. You could Google this to see what it looks like, but I'll describe it for you. It's a very pale pink, beautiful um, ceramic. Is it cer I don't really know what it's made of. I don't know what things are made of. I should, considering I have a father who is very into ceramics, so I should know what this is, but I'm, I think it's just ceramic. Um, with little flecks of gray in it, there's also a, so there's the pale pink brochet, and then there's a lighter green, and the one that we use the most is the pink. We have all sorts of pink saucers and party plates and casserole dishes and everything, and I mean, this this thing is worth thousands of dollars, that's for sure. It's not the kind of thing I would pick up in my daily life now, um, but <laughs> the I mean, I would, I would want to, but it's it's quite it's it's quite flamboyant. I mean, this is this is a very very pink set of uh, cups. Um, there's even weird like like um, tea kettles and tiny little trivets and things and little tiny bowls for condiments. It's very silly. Um, people, when they come to our house, always assume that this is my collection. When in fact, it is Dr. Kane's collection. He loves the color pink and he loves vintage things. And so um, I, I tell people it's my, it was the dowry. It was why I married him. Basically, this is what he came with. Okay. I came with a collection of decrepit typewriters with spiders in them falling apart <laughs> and a lot of different knee socks and um, a ragged box of books and records. And he came with a gorgeous Bruchet collection. So we're thinking about the things we're taking with us and we're laughing at just how little we really are taking with us. Um, I like to say we're minimalist maximalist in the sense that our style is pretty over the top and crazy. And I think that can go towards the music as well. And our, just our style, everyone always wants to say, 
Everyone says we're campy, we're kitschy. I mean, that doesn't bother me. It's like, that, that's, that's true. I, I'd like to think there's more substance there, but we're also um, minimalist in the sense that, you know, we can go in a van and live for a month and have the things we need. And I actually want to do a episode where I just talk about the, the very basic, basic, basic things that we need to live in the van long term that are, that are just really surprising. And it's really all you need to have a good life, really. Um, so the forced minimalism is a great thing for, for collectors. You know, we, we, there's a lot of comic books. I'll tell you that much. And those are coming. Many, many comic books. I'm actually sitting in a little nook that is surrounded by like a, a six foot tall bookshelf uh, just filled with books, filled with books, hardcover books. These are mostly hardcover trade. Marvel, DC, um, got the Scott Pilgrim collection here in color. Got to have that. I love the Scott Pilgrim. That was one of the first graphic novels I really got into. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're, we're working on moving. That's exciting. Before we do that, we have some shows in California. So that's coming up. Don't want to bore you with those dates. You know where they are. Go to the website, hailingthecrushers.com slash shows, or just find us on Bandcamp and you can look at it there. But we will be in Lompoc, Morro Bay, Los Angeles, San Pedro. All these things are happening February and a little bit in March. So we're we're going to be out there for the first time with our um, our drummer Sam, and that'll be exciting to to experience that with him. And we're we're on board with whatever whatever he needs to make it happen. I feel like in, in, including a new person into the band is always just such a a dance. It's a dance and it's a, it's exciting. It's really fun. So it'll be exciting to see how he does in a live, you know, setting rather than record or rather than um, just being in our little shitty practice space. So if you do come out to some of these shows, you will have to say hi to Sam and make him feel very welcome because he's a very nice man and we could not do what we do without him. Um, It's funny. I think something happens when you are nearing a the time that you will be leaving a place that is very eerie you almost have an out of body experience where you're looking down at your life because you see everything with these new eyes of like well I'm not going to see this for a while um I spent a few days with a good friend of mine um um well I should say she's my best friend cuz she really is my best friend um we went up to um Highway 1 up to San Simeon and Ragged Point area. There was actually a big wildfire going on, um, so we couldn't go too far past the Piedras Blancas lighthouse. But we did stop and do wine tasting by the ocean and saw the elephant seals and all this stuff recently. And it was so lovely. And it was even more lovely because I thought, you know, I'm not going to see the ocean for a while. I mean, you get used to these things and you get used to these perks of wherever you are. And that's every, every place in the world. And you kind of just assume it's that's how it is. You know, the beautiful weather, the ocean, um, going out to wine country and just like we were meandering through a beautiful um, sculpture garden um, at a beautiful vineyard in Paso Robles called Sculptera Winery, which is a great winery. Actually, the guy who married Dr. Kane and I officiated it. His name is, um, oh my God, am I going to forget his name? Tom Allen. Tom Allen, he's a old rocker. He's got tons of fun old gear. He, we have a bunch of his gear that we just kind of quote unquote borrow. I mean, at one point we have to give it back to him. <laughs> but he's got all these different weird tube amps and he's giving me some cool pedals and stuff. And he works out there. It was kind of nice. I didn't expect to see him because I'm not 
often in wine country. I mean, come on. That's something I do when uh, someone's in town. It would be, I mean, it would be kind of crazy if I just went to wineries. There are people locally that just go to wineries and I just don't, I just can't. I can't understand it. Um, Who has the time? Who has the patience? Um, But it was nice to have a little picnic with my friend and to go see Tom and reminisce with him. And um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting the stuff that you take for granted and the feeling before you leave a place and thinking, about, you know, how valuable these things are. And especially with people in your life, friends and family, it can be very intense leading up to an event such as a move, because as long as you allow yourself to be open to those emotions, it can be very intense, and kind of melancholy and a little bit chaotic and a little bit. um, It's a lot to process. It's a lot to process. Um, I did sell my car, uh, which I love my car. I didn't want to sell it. I actually just bought bought it off my mom and did not want to sell it. It was probably, it was the nicest car I've ever had. I mean, it had real interior, real leather interior. Um, But I sold it so that, you know, because we need to get rid of things that we're not bringing. And so it's one of those things now where we're we're kind of butting up to the last few months of California and it's just going to be an interesting thing to see certain aspects drop away and then we'll pick up new aspects along the way. We're going to you know, have to probably pick up some new wardrobe essentials. Anybody that lives out where it can be negative, you know, whatever degrees. I, I actually, I have a dog trainer I've been working with for my dog Manning. We've been doing e-collar training the last few weeks. And she's actually from Michigan. Um, and she, uh, from Royal Oak, uh, but she did go to school in um, Detroit proper. And um, her, her parents are professors at a college there in Detroit. I can't remember which one. Anyways, um, she was saying, the first thing she said to me was like, it's really cold. <laughs> so um, it's just funny. It's funny. Every single, that's what every, every single person says. It's like, why, 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 why? Well, we'll just have to experience it for ourselves and report back with, uh, you know, how, we're, how much we regret our decision. I'm sure everyone will love to hear that and they can gloat about their beautiful weather. But I do equate it with like, would you choose a partner who's a total airhead but is super beautiful and be happy forever? California is a beautiful airhead sometimes. It's a beautiful bimbo. It sure is nice to have that status and it sure is beautiful. But for us and for where we are in our lives, the substance is just not there. Um, the culture for where we are is just not there. So it is what it is. And it's I don't know. I put it in that in that context, and I think people understand a little bit more. Um, I've been doing some interesting backing vocals for um, a cool project that's coming up. I can't really reveal too much because I don't actually know exactly everything. But um, a guy named Mark from Liverpool hit me up um, on Instagram, sent me a little DM, and um, he is in a band called the the Down and Outs in Liverpool. I believe it was Liverpool. Yes, Liverpool. And um, he was like, hey, I'm doing this project. It's actually with um, Mackie from Blitz, which is the seminal blending of punk and oi band. They were both punk and oi and also did some weird post-punk stuff um, in the 80s. They're a hugely influential band in my life and Voice of a Generation played ad nauseum in my in my little um 
portable CD player speakers uh, for, for many, 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 many years. And it was actually one of my first punk shirts that I bought from Headline Records um, on Melrose Avenue um, in L.A. over by Okie Dogs. And um, yeah, the, I mean, I equate it with so much early punk exploration, their British band. Um, and I just went, what? Okay, that's pretty cool. So Mackie played bass for Blitz, um, for it on that, on that amazing album, Voice of a Generation. Um, he did not play on some of the later stuff, but for me, I'm like, whatever founding member of Blitz, that's pretty damn cool. Um, big deal for me. And I was like, okay, backing vocals. Like I'm a pretty, 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 pretty singer. Um, I'm not a great singer, but I, I don't really sound like a cool, tough oi chick. As much as that's who I wanted to be when I was like 15, I wanted to like have my shaved head and my boots and just be like the most intimidating, strong person. And, and, and instead, people would just come up to me and say, you are so feminine. It's so cute that you have a shaved head because, you know, not everyone could pull that off. You just have a real feminine charm. And I would just be like, feminine charm. How dare you? I'm not cute. There's nothing cute about me. Of course, that was hilarious. Um. But, uh, yeah, I was like, okay. So apparently this guy, Mark had found our records in a record store in Wales, thanks to the distro slash record store, Brassneck records, who I know has been purchasing stuff both from us and from the labels that we work with. So I knew that Brassneck records was a supporter and that they were in Wales, but I didn't know like that anybody would listen to us because of that. I don't know. I always just go, oh, it's so cool. We're in a different country. But I sometimes forget like these little communities of people can pop up and just like as a little high school kid and my burned CDs and listening to all this, you know, blitz and all this kind of 80s punk, street punk kind of music um, that like, yeah, like you're part of the record store. Somebody checked it out, thought it was cool. And now they're going to ask you to do some cool thing. And Um, that is one cool thing about the internet. I always try to go out of my way to remind myself and others that good things do come from the internet and this terrible digital age that we're living. I mean, how else would I be, you know, doing these backing vocals? Ooh, excuse me. Um, so that's been really fun. Reed's been, um, doing some of the producing of these vocals in the sense that, you know, he's sitting there making sure I get a good take. He's got my levels. We bought a new splitter for our headphones so that we now have two headphones for a while was just the one headphone. So if we wanted, if I was recording something for him, vocals or vice versa, the only person that would hear what was actually happening, um, was the person wearing the headphones, which makes it extremely hard to like produce a thing to punch in a thing, to pause and we go back and all this stuff. It was a whole thing. So we are three songs deep into the six songs that they requested. And it's been fun to add both what they have asked me to add, but also add things I think would be cool. Um, Dr. Kane also added some things, like some little gang vocals and things, which who knows if it, they'll be uh, used or whatever. I mean, he, we always laugh that he is the least likely person to be a backing vocalist because his voice is so distinct. You either love it or you hate it. And there's nothing subtle about it. And I love that about his voice. I think it's so singular and just so special. It's very special to me, obviously. Um, but when he does backing vocals, it's like, oh, who's that crazy guy in the background, you know? 
So that's been really fun. There's no name for the project at the moment, and it's just probably quite premature for me to even really bring up too much about it. But I got, I was tickled. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was tickled. I'm always tickled when I get to brush elbows, you know, with anybody who influenced me as a young person. And so many people did. And um, I think that's one of the greatest joys of putting your art out there. You never know who's going to reach it and how it's going to come back to you. And I mean, the way that the world is and the way that the monetary system is surrounding being a professional musician, maybe that is the gold at the end of the rainbow. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful gift, and I do not take it lightly. So I'm excited to share some of that with you at some point, but that is still in progress. Um, I have been reading a book that I really like, and I just thought I would throw it out there um, if anyone needs a book rack. One of my New Year's resolutions has been to read more fiction and less nonfiction and less uh, memoir. I do enjoy memoir and, of course, music biographies so much. I think that they're just so captivating and it's very interesting to see how different people kind of climb the ladder and like figure shit out and their trials and tribulations and all spoken from their own perspective. I just find that to be so cool to like go and have a window into like Dee Dee Ramone's head or um, Genya Ravon, who I just read hers, The Lollipop Lounge memoir. It's very, very interesting. And you also get to kind of see where, depending on the era that this person is writing in, whether it's like the 80s or the 60s or even the 30s. Um, I just read a book, um, the autobiography of Betty Davis, who is crazy, crazy fucking lady, which is why, what makes it so great. And I guess she wrote hers, I maybe I think it was in the 50s or 60s, but you're learning about the 30s and you're learning about the lingo of the time and what was happening. And it's very immersive. I do love these things. Obviously, I could go on and on and on. But I do love fiction too. And it's one of those things where if it's not perfect for me, I'm not into it. Like there's only certain fiction scenarios that I really like. And they tend to usually be sort of first person accounts of things still. That's kind of like my favorite preferred like outlook. So this book, um, it's The Secret History. It's by Donna Tart, and it came out in the 90s. But it's set in, um, I believe the... 40s? No, no, I'm sorry. It's set in the 60s. I don't know why I said that. That's ridiculous. Because there's there's definitely hippies and stuff in it. Um, the reason I felt like it was earlier is because it's it's set in a college, like a collegiate kind of situation in New England. And the college is very old. And there's a lot of like old, people wearing these old dark suits, um, you know, these woolen suits and things like that, that feel very classic and just feel very like of a different era, which I think is uh, the whole charm of the book, basically. So it was written in 1992. Um, and I will read you some of the, like, what it's about, because I'm so bad at, like, synthesizing what a book is about. I'm just going to, like, ramble. So I'll say, The Secret History is a fir- is the first novel by the American author Donna Tartt, published by Alfred A. Knopf in September 1992. You guys already know that. Set in New England, the campus novel tells the story of a close-knit group of six classics students at Hampton College, a small elite liberal arts college located in Vermont based on Bennington College, where Tart was a student between 1982 and 1986. Oh, I didn't know she was also a student there. No wonder it's so vivid. It's so vivid. It's, it's beautiful, the crunching of the leaves and everything. Um, the Secret History is an inverted detective story narr- narrated by one of the six students, Richard Pappen, who is the main guy. 
who reflects years later upon the situation that led to the murder of their friend Edmund Bunny Corcoran, wherein the events leading up to the murder are revealed sequentially. Now, this is kind of fun. I'm in like the first couple chapters and you are getting these little clues here and there. You're meeting the person who we know is dead, which is kind of fun when you start a book with knowing like the first page is like, you know, this person died. So I'm not giving it away. Um, the real meat of the book, which I will not give away and that I'm still kind of going through is like how this person died. Um, so in this book, um, there is a amazing professor who is extremely, um, eccentric and, um, weird. (laughs) And, um, it's all about, they're studying, um, Greek and Roman classics, um, like philosophers and literature. And there's a lot of interesting um, parallels that the professor makes about modern day life and um, ancient, ancient life. And they're, they're really digging into like the meat of all the biggest questions in the world of like, why are we here? Who are we? What is love? What is truth? What is beauty? What is death? But it's set in this very creepy, I guess you could say it's sort of like that dark academia subgenre, which I know is a thing. I'm not, I don't know anything about that genre, but I feel like I'm seeing it on the Wikipedia page here that this is like one of the um, like forefathers of that kind of bringing out that, that whole subgenre. Um, it's just set in a very captivating and enchanting location. There's no music involved. I'm not music, music. I meant to say there's no magic involved. It's not a fantasy. I'm not really a fantasy gal. I'm not really into like fantasy so much. Sci-fi, I'm like half in, half out. Um, but I do really like this book and I am just, there's pages that I just stop on and I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so lush and so beautiful. Not unlike, um, the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis that I quoted a couple episodes back. And some of this, I mean, if you read the first page, you're just going to fall in love with the writing. It's absolutely gorgeous. You just fall right into it. And it's, it is a beautiful, 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 almost like I've said before, like that rich, when you, when you read a book and you see a painting in your mind, that's what's happening here. And I am so in love with it. I'm so happy to have a new book. Um, it's always a good feeling, right? falling in love with a new book. So that's my book recommendation. I won't always have them for you because I do have a bad habit of reading a lot of books at once um, and actually finishing them in weird haphazard time frames. So that can get a little crazy. But if something does really like call out to me, I would love to share it with you guys. And um, music wise, you know, there's always new bands and stuff, but I find lately I've just been kind of relying more on the instrumental side of things. I've been listening to a lot of, um, Herp Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, which is one of the things I loved as a kid that I've come back to. Um, also there's a modern exotica band that's like a modern day new band called Healing Gems that are kind of based off of all of the beautiful exotica of the sixties like the Martin Denny's and the Esquivels and all that, but it's like a modern version and they have a little bit more vocalizations and some of the vintage kind of mid-century um, exotica. So there's like more lyrical content, not a lot, just enough. So you can still work while you listen to it. And I've been really digging that as well. So I've been enjoying modern, uh, the healing gems as well. So that's another recommendation for you. Um, that's pretty much all I have to share with you today. I've been enjoying um, having this little tradition on Tuesdays and 
being able to share a little bit about the recording process and just all of the stuff that goes into making a record, sharing a little bit about our lives. And it's just been nice to share with you. So I hope you've enjoyed um, this Crusher talk. And um, we'll have a new German word next week. So <laughs> you have that to look forward to. So at the very least, there'll be a new German word to learn. And that isn't that what we're all looking for, really? Um, oh, segue. I just complete detour, but I sold my car. And so I'm borrowing a friend's car while he's uh, at school in um, Oxford, actually. He's in Oxford. He, he splits his time between uh, running a pizza place that he started that um, Dr. Kane helped build and studying it at Oxford, which is like, what a, what a guy. I mean, what, whatever. Anyways, he has like seven vehicles. And so I borrowed his uh, little Kia Rio, no power windows, no power, anything. It's like the bare bones and it needed a lot of work. It was kind of an abandoned car. But anyways, the first thing I hear when I turn on the CD, I always like to see like, well, what's the CD that somebody has in there? You know, you can tell a lot about someone by the CD. And you know what it was? It was German. It was a German learning German CD. So the world really wants me to learn German. You know, the world really wants me to spend more time in Germany. And, you know, having a sister there really does make it a, a constant thing that I think about. I would like to to go back to Germany, eat a sausage and possibly learn a, f a few new words. So I just thought that was funny. Anyways, um, have a wonderful rest of your week. I will talk with you next week. I talk at you next week. Until then, um, crush your enemies and enjoy that fried squirrel. I hear it's delicious.